Uh, do you know what? This is a subject that is so dear to me. And uh, I've said to Hannah just before, and Vex, there's Vex actually, I said, I just don't want to over, be overcome with emotion because I've seen, and I'm not already failing, because I've, I've seen the joy of God moving amongst the poor, and I dearly long to see more of it amongst us. And that's my heart this afternoon as we, as we look at this whole subject. And what I would just say at the outset, these prophetic words that we've been given, never undermine the work of the prophetic amongst us. You know, as we hear you know, talks on a Sunday, as we are in our life groups, wherever we may be, God keeps wanting to speak to us. And just keep your ears open and attentive to what he's saying. And I believe these five pillars that he's given to us over this weekend will be transformational for us. And so these aren't little things that we're doing. It's not an academic exercise, but these are things that are going to shape us and form us as we, as we go forward. And, and, and no less about the poor. I'll just remind you of the prophetic word that, that we were given by Ben. The downcast in spirit need a saviour. We, Gateway Church, are to serve the soul of this nation as we care for the poor. That's not a small task. We, as a church, have been called to serve those who are in need. And I believe this afternoon, late on a Saturday, when we're all tired and hot, we are contending for a group of people that aren't amongst us yet. You know, it's the one out of the five that is the most outward-looking. It's the one that is asking us to consider those who are in a very different place to where we perhaps are at. And I want to give you a little bit of my story and our story of how God has used us in the past. I hope you hear my heart behind it. I don't want to come to you saying I've got it all right or we've got it all right. But I've just seen God do some stuff. And I believe he can do more amongst us as we contend for him. I'm going to show you a photo or a series of photos. Oh, you probably can't see them ever so well in here. There is a young Steve Hunter right in the middle there. Um, 2002, we helped plant a church in Weymouth. And we had a prophetic word over us as a church that was about going to the nation of Zimbabwe. And it was a dream that somebody had. And in their dream they heard this sort of like African song. And this song had a verse and a chorus. And the person who had the dream didn't actually write it down at the point where he woke up in the middle of the night. Went back to sleep, woke up a bit later, lost a little bit of the verse, still had the chorus, went back to sleep, woke up again. And by the morning, all he could remember was one line of the chorus. And the line was, woe is Harare, Harare being the capital of Zimbabwe, if you don't go. Woe is Harare if you don't go. And this prophetic word lived over us for years in our time in Weymouth. And we got involved, we got linked to the churches in Zim, and we heard what they were doing, and we helped them financially and all those sort of things. But it wasn't until I had the privilege of actually going out 
And I went with a sort of mindset of, we're coming to help you, which is horrific. Because when I got there, I was completely undone by seeing how a local church was literally feeding their village to keep them alive. How a local church was so impacting their community that the community were dependent upon the church. Now, the context of Africa and the context of Zimbabwe is very different to BCP. But there is something in going and seeing how a church can infiltrate into a community for the poor and care for the poor that I came back with a changed heart and thought, what is it, God, we can do, as in, that, as in those days in Weymouth, that would impact my community for good. And I believe this afternoon, our last challenge of this day is for us to consider that question. What does it look like for Gateway Church to impact the poor more and more in our community? One thing I will give you is a health warning. It's costly. It's costly financially. It's costly emotionally. And it's costly in terms of time. Working into the poor is a long run. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. It takes years to connect with people that are so different to you and I. But my prayer is this afternoon is that I'm not trying to convince you. I just want you to get a sense in your heart that is, this is what we should be doing as a church is working with the poor. And not only working with the poor, my prayer is that the poor will become some of your closest friends in Christ. That's what I long to see, and I've had the joy of having that in my life. Now, imagine you are doing a church plant. Imagine Matt has got a team together, and he said, right, we're going to go and do a church plant to wherever. And you start to think through what you might need for a church plant. Well, we're probably going to need a leader. We're going to need some people who are followers. Perhaps it would be good to have a worship leader. Perhaps it would be good to have a kids worker. But I wonder how many of us would start at the point of the most important thing about this church plant is how are we going to connect with the poor? Now, Apostle Paul, when he was planting churches, uh, he wrote to the church in Galatia, which he had planted many years before. And he's writing to them in, in chapter 2. He's defending his role as an apostle. And uh, leading up to these couple of verses we're going to look at, he's been talking with Peter and the apostles about the grace of God that was on him to plant churches to the Gentile people. And so he's been explaining this to them. And this is where we're going to pick up the story, just in verse 8. It says this in chapter 2 of Galatians. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, to the Jews, was also at work in me, Paul, as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed, uh, those esteemed as pillars, gave me Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship, when they recognized the grace given to me. And they all agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and that they should go to the circumcised, the Jews. All they asked, all Peter asked of Paul 
when he was planting the churches was that they should continue to remember the poor. The very thing he had been, Paul had been eager to do all along. Right at the heart of the church plant was the ministry to the poor. This was the central thing that Peter wanted him to remember. And for us as a church, it's like, where does this heart sit within our church context? Where is your heart for the poor? I believe that we should be building a church that has this as one of our top priorities. As we talk and as we envision, as we think about, as we plan, as we prepare, our hearts should be preparing for those who are very different from us. All through the whole of the New Testament, we see many examples of the poor being brought into mention. Jesus, his own very manifesto in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to pray, proclaim good news to the poor. We've come to people who are different to us. So the question is, in 2022, who are the poor in our nation? Our nation is different to what I saw in Africa. But I want to give you just a few stats, current stats, 2022 stats of what deprivation in our nation looks like. Over 30 million people, almost half the population, are suffering to some degree with financial insecurity. 80 million people in the UK cannot afford adequate housing. 14 million people cannot afford one or more essential household goods. 12 million people are too poor to engage in common social activities considered necessary by the majority of the population. Five and a half million adults go without essential clothing. Four million children and adults are not properly fed by today's standards. Four million children go without at least two of the things that they need. Two and a half million children live in homes that are damp. And one and a half million children live in households that cannot afford to heat their home. These stats this winter will change. We are about to go into one of the toughest economic winters we have ever known. And I saw a tweet by Martin Lewis, you know, the financial guy, only this last week. And he said, maybe we shouldn't be thinking just about food banks, but thinking about warm banks, where public buildings are opened to those who cannot afford to heat their homes. So they've got somewhere warm to go. Maybe that's something that we could consider. Deprivation in the BCP area. We've got a few stats. If we could just go to the next one, I'll just about see some of that. Bournemouth, Christchurch and Paul, we are about middle of the nation in terms of deprivation in our area. In the area that we are based in BCP, there are nine wards that are in the top 10% of the most deprived areas across the country. Nine different communities. And one of those communities is right in the ward of Alder Road. Just think about that. In our neighborhood, we have people who are in the top 10% of the most deprived people across the UK. According to the income and employment scales, around 43,500 people 
across Bournemouth, Christchurch and Poole are income deprived and 20,400 people are employment deprived. There is a big need right on our doorstep and we have the opportunity to serve them. We could suddenly get very busy. We could put on social action programs, we could do this, we could do that and do the other. The problem with social action um, pursuits in themselves is that it looks like we are just treating them as clients. But one of the things that we are here to do is to love people, to get alongside people, to treat them just as we would want to be treated. I would really want to commend this book to you, A Church for the Poor by Martin Charlesworth and Natalie Williams. came out about four or five years ago. If you want to get stuck into this whole area, this is a book worth reading. But Martin makes this point. He says this, the church has more to offer those in need than just social action projects. People are more than clients. Outcomes are more than statistics. People need friendship and community. Many people need someone to walk alongside them as they try to find ways of rebuilding their lives. They just need somebody to walk alongside them. We as the church need to find ways of integrating those from the poor or deprived backgrounds into our church communities, especially as some embark on a spiritual journey towards faith in Christ. That's what we're called to do, guys. We're just here to walk alongside with people, to connect with them, and to help them in their need. Essentially, there are three areas of poverty that are around us. Aspirational poverty, where somebody has lost hope of being able to move from their current situation into the next. Relational poverty, where they are just lonely, and they want somebody to come alongside them. And spiritual poverty, those who live without hope and those who have no hope are lost. We have an opportunity to reach them with the good news. I want to just show you a couple of photos from my time in Weymouth. This was uh, a soup run that we felt God speak to us about. And what we did, we went out every Saturday night and we fed those who were homeless and on the streets. And we did this year in, year out, year in, year out. I don't know how many hundreds of people we fed through that program. And the question you're asking is, how many of those came to know Jesus? Well, truly, I don't know. But we had an opportunity to meet with them. But there was one guy, and this guy, Jimmy. This is Jimmy. He was one of my closest friends, Johnny Peng. You remember Jimmy? Jimmy was an ex-military man, served in Northern Ireland, who found himself on the streets. And we met with him and connected with him through the soup run, offering him a bowl of soup and a piece of cake. And Jimmy, through a period of time, came to know Jesus, and he was gloriously saved. But his passion, or his passion for those who were around him on the streets never waned. And so he then came alongside us. He served on the soup run with us. And he connected with the people 
that he lived alongside, far better than we did. And Jimmy was the biggest trophy of grace that I've known. It was such a joy to see, see him. And everyone in the church knew Jimmy. Jimmy was welcomed in. He was loved by everybody. And he got to know families, and he served, and he did all sorts of things. There's one photo right in the middle. You can't quite see what's going on there. That was at West Point. Jimmy was down at West Point with us a few years ago, and uh, we had a lad who had some special needs, and Callum, who's, who's with there, just wanted to play Scrabble all day. And Jimmy just literally sat with him for hours playing Scrabble. That was the gospel of Jesus on this man as he ministered as in a way that only Jimmy, Jimmy could. The top photo, top three photos was Jimmy's 60th birthday back in 2013. And we gathered the whole church and we celebrated with him on his 60th birthday. The following year, colleague of mine at the church, Pauline, and I found Jimmy passed away in his flat. The Lord had called him home. And one of the joys for me was to be able to take his funeral, and at the crematorium for his funeral, there were people off the street who were there, and there were his church family. That's all Jimmy knew. And we celebrated, and we rejoiced, and we thanked God that just through this one ministry, we saw somebody come to know Christ. And if it was only for him, do you know what it was worth doing? Since we've been in Gateway, we've had the privilege of getting to know Will and Haley. Will and Haley were absolutely instrumental into, for us landing in Gateway. When we went into lockdown, if you remember, Catherine and I were waifs and strays at that point in time, and uh, Rich phoned us up and said, look, Will and Haley are running a Zoom life group, and because you're not actually in one yet, could we go to Will and Haley? And we said, yeah, we don't know them, but we'd love to get to know them. And Will and Haley were so helpful to us, just finding our feet here. A lot of people already knew us, but we never knew them, and they didn't know us, and we've just loved getting to know them. And as we've got to know them, Haley started sharing her heart about Oasis and what she's been doing and leading with the ladies down at the refuge. And uh, initially, uh, Catherine jumped on that and, and knew that God was speaking to her about wanting to get alongside Haley and help her and serve and, and bring what she can bring into that arena. And at Christmas, they were organizing for a uh, Santa Claus and Elves grotto at the refuge. And Catherine, in her wisdom, decided that it was a good thing to offer me to be Father Christmas. And so I got dressed up as Father Christmas, and we lived not far from Will and Haley, and I walked around from our house round to their house in full dress. And it was just as the schools were coming out, and it was just like, okay, I didn't quite time that right. <laughs> but as I went into the refuge that afternoon, I knew God had done something in my heart to want to be able to help and serve and get alongside, and what could I bring into that arena? And I've had the joy of talking with Haley and hearing her heart of what she's longing to see happen there. And I've got to know uh, one of the guys who's um, in the refuge. And I have had the most glorious conversations with him. We, we've done a lot of fun stuff as well. We are up there, you can see some of the things that we've done. Uh, 
I've been to Moores Valley with him. We went to Farmer Palmer's with him. We've kicked footballs around in the park with his boys. Uh, the other day, the whole uh, befriending team went out and did paddle boarding. And do you know what? They have been some of the best days I've had since arriving in Poole. I've just felt God's presence in those moments of conversation. And I'm praying for that chap that God will open his heart and that even at an event like this, we can see people from broken, poor, deprived backgrounds being amongst us at a church weekend. That would be my heart for us. And I believe for every one of us in this room, there is an opportunity for us to believe that for those in our, in our neighbourhoods. I asked Hayley to just give me a few words in terms of her heart for this ministry. This is what she said. This year, Oasis has developed an exciting new team that have taken Oasis to another level of being able to serve and bless those that are suffering alone. We are able to reach out to where they are in life, just accepting them, loving them, connecting, supporting, showing them God's love. They are the befriending team, and they aim to disciple, equip, meet, uh, meet each individual at their place of need. This is something that has been on my heart for many years, and it's great to see God's goodness and his grace and his timing with the right people that love the people that they are serving. Discipling is a long journey. It has many hurdles and bumps in the road as their lives are chaotic and full of challenges, and that would be absolutely true. But I tell you, it's one of the best things to be able to do is to bring the love of Jesus to people who don't know him and particularly people who are very different and a different place in life than us. Guys, there are many ways that we connect with people. The whole gatehouse thing, I feel that's a prophetic picture for us over the church. There's the golden generations, there's the T's and tops, there's the craft groups. As truth be told, there's storm breakers as we've heard today. There's so many ways that we can connect with our community. But the biggest thing for all of us is, is to carry this in our heart. Not because we have to, not because it's a burden, but because God calls us to. And I'd love us just as we, as I close, I'd love you to consider what does this look like for me? How do I connect with those who are very different? How do I find a way of meeting people's needs and praying also that one day we may see Jesus save them and bring them into his kingdom. Amen.